For over 20 years, I've had a weight issue that was masking a deeper issue, food addiction. Welcome to Foodiction, a podcast about food addiction recovery. I am your host, Julie Hatch. All right, good morning. I'm really glad to be here today. I just wanted to share a little thought with you that I came across yesterday. I was rummaging through my file cabinet and found this random quote. So I thought I would share this first. It's good things come to those who believe, better things come to those who wait, and the best things come to those who don't give up. And I like the last part of that because it talks about action. It talks about needing to do something in order to um, in order to get the very, very best out of life, you have to take action. I don't know about you, but in this journey of trying to get healthy, I have so many times fallen upon just almost regret. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy, but the reason I say that is because I was so sick and tired of trying all these different ways to get healthier and and not getting the results that I wanted that I started regretting even trying. I got really hopeless and really discouraged. I just didn't want to try anymore. I was so confused. I remember one time having a conversation with a girlfriend of mine over the phone and, and I just started crying. I'm like, you know what? I am so confused at this point because I gave up dieting and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to eat healthy. But then I learned that, uh, you know, cow's milk has a lot of hormones in it and it's not healthy for you. And cheese, you know, is made with wood chips and like all different kinds of things. It got to the point where even normal food somehow seemed unhealthy. And I was so frustrated and so confused. I didn't even know what to do or where to start. I thought that eating healthy would have been a very easy, sensible thing to do. I didn't realize that the more that I looked into trying to get healthier and find ways to get healthier, that it would almost be like information overload. That coupled with the numerous different, I've tried over 20 different diets. I've tried um, homeopathic remedies and I've tried meditation. I've tried all kinds of things, exercise and gym memberships and you name it. I've tried it. So, you know, have I reached the point of discouragement at times? Absolutely. But I always come back to, but what if it works? What if it works? I was so desperate to get healthy. Today I want to talk about discouragement. I want to talk about how you can get past it so that it's not keeping you or preventing you from getting healthy. Discouragement is a word that it's a French word. So the first part of discouragement, dis, D-I-S, that is a root word that denotes a sense of failure. Courage, that is the, a French word, 
and it comes from the French word couleur. Now, I don't know French, so I may have mispronounced that. Just bear with me. But it means heart. I find that really interesting. Courage is a French word that means heart. Because dis is saying failure, right? Courage meaning heart. It's almost like heart failure. Interesting, right? And then meant turns a verb into a noun, making it an action. Action. (laughs) That is really fascinating to me. When I was reading that, I'm like, whoa. So it's the act of failure that comes from the heart. It's like your heart doesn't doesn't back you up. Something happened. (laughs) It's a heart problem. And honestly, you know, when you think about it, poor health is also a heart problem. (laughs) It is. So it's really interesting. But I'm going to talk about seven things that you can do to get past discouragement today. And I would love to invite you, if you're listening live, I would love to invite you to join me in this conversation today and share what what you've done that has helped you get past discouragement. What are you doing or what tips do you have or insights do you have that can help someone else who's listening to this? Okay, the first thing I'm going to say is when you feel discouraged, it can feel like a lot of different things. It can feel like disappointment. It can feel like depression. It can feel like even anger or frustration. But I think the important thing is to be able to see it, just see it. I'm feeling discouraged. My heart doesn't seem to be on board anymore. I'm feeling discouraged. See it. Um, Don't go into denial. See it. And then once you see it, name it. I want you to name it because there's there's something about Being able to call something out, out of hiding, it's sort of like sometimes discouragement can be that little um, creepy, crawly, quiet thing (laughs) that, that sneaks up on you. You may go into something with the best intentions only to find yourself feeling discouraged and not even realizing that you're feeling discouraged. So it's really important to name it because it takes the power out of it. Um, it can no longer sneak up on you. It cannot, you see it, you're naming it, and now you're taking authority over it. Accept it. That's the third, the third step. Accept it. We have feelings sometimes that are not really beneficial. And by that, I mean that Discouragement is one of those heavier emotions that can keep you from moving forward. It can keep you feeling stuck. It can keep you feeling like hopeless, hopelessness. And I think hopelessness is one of the biggest dangers when it comes to progression and personal refinement. I think hopelessness is one of the key, most dangerous weapons that... I think the adversary yields against us. So it's really important to accept the fact that you feel that way and then do something about it, right? So what can you do about it? Well, you can always talk it out. And if you are a religious person, talk it out with God. 
Go to him first. Because chances are he'll either give you some inspiration to know what to do about the discouragement, or he may help bring a person to mind that would be perfect for you to talk to about about what you're going through or what you're feeling. So I would say go to him first. Um, Okay, you can also obviously turn to supportive family and friends. Now, one of the worst things you could do is go to a family member or a friend who is not supportive of your health, who's not supporting you in your goals. That's one of the worst things you can do because then... (laughs) then you're just uh, finding ways to support a faulty belief that nothing works to keep you where you are so that you don't have to ever fail again. Failure hurts. When you try to do something and it doesn't work out, it hurts. It hurts badly, not just a little. It's like face planting on cement. It hurts. And of course, nobody wants to feel that way. But... I think it's important to to put that into its proper perspective. What is it hurting? It's hurting your pride. You thought you had the answer, and maybe you didn't. Is it possible to shift into the thought that perhaps it could fail, but maybe there's something you can learn along the way? One thing that I started doing during my health journey is I started tracking what I learned each time I failed from a diet that I tried or some kind of remedy that I tried. Why did that fail? What's going on? What could I do differently moving forward? I started making notes about that. And I discovered that I learned a lot and that ultimately I feel like all of those failures accumulated and have led me to where I am today, which is I'm still moving forward. Sometimes I take two step backwards. Sometimes I take a giant hundred leaps backwards, but I go into it more like an adventure or a path of discovery. I approach it with a curiosity, with not having the answers, but hey, I wonder if this could work kind of attitude. (laughs) and it really has helped that has really helped me entering into something with curiosity and there's another word for that humility and the reason I say that is because humility one of the best definitions I ever read was in a book called Aspire and the author was saying that humility is being teachable in other words you don't have all the answers and is it okay if you don't yes Of course, of course it's okay if you don't have all the answers. Do you have to have all the answers in order to put forth an effort to get healthy or to put yourself on a path of discovery and curiosity? No, no. So you can talk about it, but I would suggest talking about it with God. And then if you are not someone who believes in God, turn to a friend or a family member that is supportive. And if you can't find a supportive friend or family member, it's time to get new friends, A. <laughs> but try a support group. There's a ton of support groups on, on social medias like Facebook. 
There's so many groups that you can go into and get support for free. Really awesome words of wisdom, people who have had success that are sharing their successes and not to boast and brag, but to help people just like you and me with tips that have worked for them because they know just like I do, just like you do, that discouragement is a real thing. <laughs> it, can, it can really, really prevent us from the dreams and the goals, the aspirations that we have. Okay, so after you talk it out, this is the fifth step. Go serve. Serving someone is one of the most powerful things we can do. Not only does it bring to mind that everyone has issues, we are not being singled out, we're not being punished by God, everyone has their challenges. Sometimes we get this tunnel vision, we think that this only happens to me. Why is this happening to me? We go right into that victim role, right, and that victim energy. Why me? (coughs) But when you serve, you discover that excuse me guys I still have allergies when you serve you discover that others are also they also have their struggles they also have their struggles and you start to feel connected again you start to feel like okay maybe we can help each other and maybe I don't have to go this alone because service is so reciprocal You cannot help someone and not be benefited in some way. And even though that's not the reasons why we serve, it always seems to happen that way, doesn't it? It always seems to happen that way. But serving somebody also, I think, not only does it get you out of tunnel vision, not only does it help you understand that you're not alone in your journey, and that it connects you, it bonds you, because you love who you serve, you serve who you love. But I think that you get to enjoy a sense of fulfillment or accomplishment in that you've just made someone else's day brighter. You've just done something to help someone else. Sometimes the the very act of helping someone else can help you. It can help you. So get out and, and serve. You know what? If you go to serve dot, justserve.org and you enter in your zip code, it brings up a list of volunteer opportunities in your area. If you're living in the United States, you can do that. I don't know if it works for other countries, but I do know that it's available to those who live in the United States of America. So I would recommend doing that. But guys... Even if you don't go online, even if you don't check out justserve.org, look for those opportunities. Another little quote I came by yesterday, it's really short. It says, observe, then serve. If you are so disconnected that you can't find any way to serve somebody, then it's time to get connected again. And and yeah, if you ask somebody, they're probably going to say, oh, no, I'm fine because nobody wants to put you out, right? It's hard for people to be recipients sometimes and they don't want pity, but if you observe, you will find opportunities to serve. They always come up. Or listen to 
I had this opportunity before we moved into this apartment. I had this opportunity. It was really interesting. This started out with a name. So for almost three consecutive months, I had this name of a dear friend come to my mind over and over and over again, randomly, but pretty consistently throughout the three months. And I, I made three attempts to reach out to her, but she was so overwhelmed. She wasn't able to respond. And so, um, I just thought, well, okay, that's, that's interesting. I wonder what that's all about. And I kind of went on my merry way. And then it came time for me to find, well, my husband and I came time for us to find a place to live. And so, um, we had just posted, um, on social media, asking for recommendations. If anybody knows of anywhere in such and such an area, please let us know. And then we went to my son's wedding. By the time he got back, the, the friend whose name had been on my mind reached out to me and she had a basement apartment and she had, um, an opportunity for me where I could help assist her with her elderly parents. And it has just been one of the most beautiful things. I have loved every moment of being able to, um, and I don't even look at it as service because really all serving is, is loving. It's just an opportunity to love deeper, to love more. And um, I consider it a sacred time. Anytime you are working with someone who has a limited lifespan, um, you know that their time is probably short here in mortality. That time becomes sacred time. It becomes a sacred space. But this has just been one of the most remarkable things. So pay attention to those inspirations. When you start thinking about somebody, take immediate action. Call them right away. Get in touch with them. Drop a note in the mail. Um, text them. Send them a text. Do something about that. Because each time a name has come to my mind, there's always been a reason. There's always been a reason. And sometimes I didn't always know those reasons, but I would like to think that even if um, a friendly little text is all somebody needed to help them feel less discouraged, to help them feel less alone, then great. Maybe they didn't come back and say, hey, I was feeling down. Thank you so much for that text. But you just never know. So always take action when, when you get that name in your head and go serve someone. All right. The sixth one, once you see it, once you name it, once you talk about it and you accept it and you're serving, that leaves a very important part in all of this. Let it go. Let go of all of it. Let go. Because there is no reason for you to hold on to it. I want you to ask yourself this question. How does it benefit me to hold on to feelings of discouragement? Hmm. It doesn't. But why do people do it? Because if they hold on to discouragement and all the stories they tell themselves about discouragement, then it takes them off the hook. It takes us off the hook. We don't have to be responsible. We don't have to be accountable. And... Sometimes um, it puts us in a position where we're playing the victim. And why do people play the victim? 
because then they get what they need in the in a weird way it's sort of like if they need that love and support what happens when you're in victim role what happens when you are feeling sorry for yourself and you let it be known inevitably someone comes up to you are you okay they show concern they show care and that is interpreted as love <laughs> and oftentimes when we feel discouragement we need to refill our hearts with love and gratitude we need to refill our cups and there's games we play to get that, but we don't have to do the games. We can cut through that, right? We can be honest about where we're at, what we're dealing with, and make a decision about what we want to do differently. We avoid responsibility and accountability when we fear failure, but you have to reframe failure. You have to look at it like um, narrowing your field, pointing you in the direction that you need to go, eliminating the things that don't work so that you can find the things that do work. You need to reframe that. What if failure was just a teaching opportunity? And honestly, that's all it is. Why do we fear it so much? Why do we fear failure so much? What, what does that mean about you when you fail? Can you answer that question? What does it mean about you when you fail? Well, I can tell you what it means. The truth of it is it means you're human. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're human. And humans err. And sometimes we fail. It's just a matter of fact, right? So there's no point in holding on to all of that. That is weighty, heavy stuff. It's exactly what the adversary wants you to feel. Because he doesn't want progression. He doesn't want joy. He doesn't want any of those things for you. Okay. I touched on this before. The last and final step, number seven, is gratitude. It's gratitude. <coughs> Somebody had once commented at a seminar once that gra gratitude was one of the highest vibrating emotions that we can have is gratitude. One of the highest vibrating emotions because emotions are energy, right? Um, and I didn't always know how to use gratitude. I didn't know what it meant. But what it means is that you are actively seeking to find those things in your life and recognize your blessings, to find those blessings in your life. You're seeking them. What are the things that did work? Because those are blessings. What are the things that inspire you? Because those are blessings. Who inspires you in your life? They're a blessing. We have so many blessings. And when we place ourselves into gratitude, discouragement tends to melt away because we realize all the things that are working, all the things that are wonderful and beautiful and good in our lives. And it, it just makes that discouragement melt right away. So not to, I'm not going to get into this too deeply, but there are stories in the Bible that are all about discouragement and how to move past it. If you look at Job, if you look at Elijah, study those stories or, I mean, I think Paul is a really good example of someone who overcame and never 
allowed himself to get discouraged. And why was that? Because he knew he was on God's mission, right? And if you look at your health as God's mission for you, it can help you really combat discouragement. There's a benefit to being a religious or a religious person or a spiritual person. There's a benefit to it. Even if you didn't think that Jesus Christ was a God, if you read, if you study his life, there's a lot of wisdom in it. There's a lot of wisdom in it. So if you can be objective about it and read it, there's a lot of really great sage advice in the Bible. There really is also um, in other scriptures. So I just want to encourage you, if you are really needing a hyper dose of, of encouragement to combat discouragement, it's a great source. It's a great source. Find lots of inspiration there. Okay. Those are seven ways, guys. Those are seven ways. What was interesting, and, I, and I'm just going to bring this up as a side note, when Elijah was feeling discouraged, one of the things that God did was he fed him. So it's kind of interesting because he was addressing his body. Are we taking care of ourselves? So often in our health journeys, we stop taking care of ourselves when we feel discouraged. But the very thing we need is to be taking care of ourselves. Um, the needs that our, bodies, that our body has. Um, we need that movement called exercise. We call it exercise. I like to call it movement. We need that movement. We need to be eating whole, wholesome foods that are good for our body. We need adequate sleep. We need to be staying hydrated, right? We need all of those things. And if you're feeling frustrated like I did, because there's just so much information, it's like information overload in the diet culture, <laughs> I want you to really shut off all of those voices and get still. And I would suggest offering a prayer to the creator who created your body and ask him, how can I, what's the best way for me to take care of my body? What's the best way? Help me, help me and guide me to those things that will help my body be, become healthier. And not just my body, but my mind and my heart. Because there's so much about health that is more than just our physical right? It's our emotional, it's our spiritual, it's our um, mental, it's our financial. It's, there's so many different areas that, it, that need our attention and, and need to be healthy. But the greatest thing about it is once you start working in one area, it, it has a snowball effect or a trickle-down effect. I noticed that when I started really making an effort to overcome food addiction, that it opened up doors financially where my husband and I could come together in our financial goals, start chipping away at our debt, and get healthier financially. Also, mentally, I felt more joy. I felt happier. Well, and that's emotional as well, but um, because I say mentally because... (laughs) There are so many negative voices in our head when something isn't working out the way we think it should. There's all these voices in our head, but when we start taking action to become healthier, it silences those negative voices. It starts to silence them. 
So it's very much a mental thing as it is emotional, I think. I think all of the, the facets of a human being and a spirit are so interconnected that when you work in one area, it has a positive effect in another area or in other areas. Um, and isn't that great? <laughs> because we look at it and we go, gosh, there's so much that we have to take care of when it comes to ourselves. But honestly, um, you have to remember too that we aren't created to take on everything ourselves. I don't believe we are. I, I don't believe that we're created to take on everything ourselves or we would just be a single solitary person in existence. But for some reason we're here with other human beings <laughs> and I don't think that's an accident. We're here with a whole family of wonderful people and yeah, sometimes we encounter what I call unhealed people and if you don't want to become one of those unhealed people that bleeds onto everybody else and, if, and impacts somebody else's life in a negative way, then don't be afraid to accept that accountability and that responsibility for yourself and becoming the healthiest version of yourself that you can possibly be. There is so much that we have to be grateful for. So if you're feeling discouraged today, take some time to count your blessings and really apply some effort into seeking out those things that have been beautiful and right and good in your life. And if you can't find them, go create it by serving somebody. And you'll start to see that that discouragement will diminish. It will diminish. You'll crush it. You'll crush it. Don't count how many times you failed at something. Don't count how many times, how many diets you've tried. Why are you keeping track of that? Let it go. You don't need to track that. What you need to track is that you are so resilient that you're able to try again. Be the encouragement that someone else needs. Have you ever been to a football game or any kind of athletic game and you're rooting for the team? And I remember one time I went to a hockey game with my husband and afterwards they were interviewing the hockey players from the team that won. And they said, oh man, we just love you fans. Thank you so much for cheering us on, for, you know, helping us, you know, win this game. And it's amazing how the very thing that you need is the very thing you need to give. And then you'll find that in encouraging somebody else in their journey, you can't encourage them without encouraging yourself. It's so reciprocal that way. It's so... It's so wild how that happens, but I love it. <laughs> so find someone that you can encourage. You know, maybe your, maybe your niece, nephew, son, daughter, grandchild is discouraged with homework. Go encourage them. Maybe your husband had a hard day at work and just doesn't, doesn't even want to go back to work. Encourage him or your wife or your significant other. Encourage them. Everybody could use a little dose of, or a huge dose of encouragement. Everyone can. Okay, I hope that you found some value in today's topic. I am really excited about just sharing ways that we can move forward and progress together. And just remember that your health journey is a lifelong journey. Quit looking at it like a finite thing because I think that 
It's about making healthy choices daily for the rest of your life. And if you can accept the fact that it's a lifelong pursuit, then who cares how many times you fail? <clears throat> Those are just opportunities to learn. Start tracking what you're learning every time you fail. Some examples I'll give you from when I made my list were um, I, because here's what I want to say. Okay, and I've, I've said this once, I'll say it again. Dieting usually does work when it's applied exactly how it's laid out. When there's no modifications, diet plans are created for you to release weight. Most of the time they work. The times that they don't are, I would say, has more to do with either some kind of uh, medical issue a person may have or struggle with, or they stopped applying it exactly how it was laid out. They lost steam because they were relying on willpower. Guys, if you're relying on willpower, uh, I did um, I did an episode last week that touched on willpower that would amaze you. But just this bears repeating again. You only have about 15 minutes of regulatory capacity. Um, 15 minutes to exert willpower at a time. You can regenerate it, but most of us are too tired to even do that throughout our day. So quit relying on willpower. You need more than that. <laughs> Go back and listen to the first episode if you haven't. It is chock full of information about food addiction specifically, and it touches on the three um, brain blocks three ways that your brain can block you from weight loss, go listen to it. It's astounding, really. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Okay. Um, but what I want to say is <clears throat> diets usually do work. It's us that stops working them. And so I really have a problem when people say, diets don't work, or I tried this diet and it didn't work. Ugh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that and I cringe because I'm like, when you do that, you're giving your power away. Every time you say, this diet failed me, this diet didn't work, you are literally giving your power away, your personal power away. That means that not even eating healthy can work because eating healthy is a diet plan. A diet is what is, a diet is the food that we consume on a consistent regular basis. That is what a diet is. But when we say diet, we use it negatively and in conjunction with all the things that we get from the diet culture, right? <laughs> and I get it. I get it. But you, you give your power away when you say this diet didn't work. You're blaming the diet for not releasing weight for you. Did you hear that? Did you catch it? You're blaming the diet for not releasing weight for you. But it's not the diet that magically makes you release weight. It's your effort, your action of following a diet plan. But it's your action. It's your effort. And so instead of, it's like you're projecting that failure onto the diet instead of taking accountability and responsibility for it. Ouch, I know this is heavy. This may not be sitting well with you. I get it. But if it's not... Anytime, hey, I'm, I have a challenge for you. Anytime I say something or share something that stirs or evokes 
an intense emotion in you, I want you to lean into it. By that I mean that it should be an indication of an unhealed part of you that needs to be healed, that needs some attention, that needs some of your TLC. That's what that is. It's called trigger. When we're emotionally triggered, it's because there is an, we're hitting on something that's unhealed. We're touching on something that's sensitive, where there's a wound. And the way to heal that, the only way to really heal pain is to get through it, go through it. Allow yourself to feel it, to recognize it, to look at it, and make decisions about what you want to do differently or what you want to do to help yourself. Come up with a plan. But stop saying diets don't work. Stop that language right now. It's not benefiting you to say that. Taking yourself off the hook, no, no, no. We do not have permission. <laughs> we do not have permission to take ourselves off the hook and to stop being responsible and accountable adults. No, we're not children, we're adults, okay? So stop saying that. Stop counting how many diets you've done. Stop counting how many times you failed. Knock it off. <laughs> I'm saying this because I've done this so many times. Guys, I've done this, okay? And I learned that it just wasn't working. It doesn't work. It does not work. So some examples. I failed at HCG because I, it eliminated food groups. I failed at um, Weight Watchers because for a time, Weight Watchers, you used to have to count calories. Who has time in their day to do that? I'm a very practical person but we're all busy and that just seemed like, what? I don't want to count calories. I didn't like math in high school. What makes you think I'd like it now? And given it's changed, Weight Watchers plan has changed, so you may want to check that out. It's completely up to, to you. I follow the Brightline Eating Plan because through a series of tracking what hasn't worked, I feel like I've um, stumbled upon something that really is in alignment and in agreement with my heart and my mind and does work. Um, but that being said, I think that that diet is great for those who have a very high susceptibility to food addiction. It's really addressing those who are struggling with a food addiction. And not everybody does. Maybe you're someone that just wants to lose like 20 pounds. So, you know, but start tracking. If something's not working, start tracking why it didn't work, what about it, why did you stop doing it? That's the question you need, to, you need to answer. Why did you stop doing it? Because that will, that will narrow the field for you. You'll start looking for something that's different. <laughs> you start getting really specific about what you're looking for too. Um, let me give you another example. I did Optavia. I stopped doing Optavia. I stopped coaching in Optavia. Why? Because I didn't want to be dependent upon food I had to buy online for just myself. It was a huge uh, financial commitment. I didn't, and it was all processed food. Like, it's processed food, and there were a lot of fillers and, and sugar substitutes, and it just didn't feel healthy to me. Now, I lost the most weight I had ever lost, though, on that plan. I know some people that are okay with that. 
they set aside money for that plan like they would normal groceries and it works for them okay uh, I'm not here to discourage anybody from certain plans I am encouraging you to step in accountability and responsibility for yourself don't allow yourself to get discouraged quit counting your failures start tracking whys that will lead you to more inspiration and more of what you're looking for it'll help you get really specific about what you're looking for all right that could, could have probably been a whole nother episode it might be because you know it bears repeating again <laughs> but <clears throat> don't allow, don't allow yourself to get discouraged please don't allow yourself to get dis discouraged okay don't be hopeless there's always hope my mom Growing up would always tell me it's darkest before the dawn. Sometimes our trials and our the things that discourage us seem so present, <laughs> so big and so present. But it's just for a time. I remember being at church one time and a lady stood up. We were asked, what's your favorite scripture? She stood up and said, and it came to pass. <laughs> We all had kind of a, a good chuckle, but she said, I love that phrase in scripture because it just, it, sometimes you just need to be reminded that the hard stuff will pass eventually. <clears throat> usually, usually. And even if it doesn't, your attitude about it can be good and still be one of joy. It's a choice. It's a hard one. If you have chronic illness or something like that, oh man, it is a toughie. That's a hard cross to bear for sure. All right, guys, come back next Monday, 8 a.m. live. Um, I'm hoping this microphone, I got a new mic for my cell phone. I'm hoping that it, it works. I didn't really test it out, but we'll see. And I'm hoping that I have a good connection. But join me next week, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time live. Next week, I'm going to be touching on, let me look here help. I'm an emotional eater. We're going to talk about emotionally eating. Ooh, that's a big one, huh? For a lot of us food addicts, that's a big one. <laughs> so I'll be addressing that next week. Come with your questions and your insights and looking forward to this, guys. Stay tuned and make today great.